0: So what might be some ways that you can collect information on your audience so that you know um, how to meet them where they are?
1: So I think so. we know some things about our audiences, particularly if they're students or faculty, they're people, they're part of a community that is on campus. Um, so we know some of that information. I think one of the things that we're doing now, I mean specifically with OSOS, we are thinking about how do we do more surveys Mm -hmm. with the audience and how do we collect that information so that we can collect that. Also not just physically there but also online, how do we uh, participate in that. Um, The other thing is just really, um, one of the things we're doing is is also um, attending different committees on campus also talk about, I mean, committees. I mean committees, the students have committees, right, the student government is so powerful and they are involved and engaged and looking for things for the students to do and get involved with and then also faculty have different committees that are not necessarily a departmental committee but a committee on like a women's history committee like the um the there's a latin american studies committee that they these are professors that are teaching across discipline about a similar subject so we're going to them and getting a sense of what things they're interested in. So just that, not that we're necessarily going to program exactly what they what they want, but if we say, oh, we've met with this group, we know some information, we've gathered that information, they're interested in dance from a particular re- in, this, in a particular region. We have a dance company from a region that's coming, and we can bring that group in, and there's an instant connection. So that. And then, of course, the biggest one for us are community partnerships. Partnership with other local organizations in the Bronx, because we're in the Bronx, and developing a relationship with them that is not just come see the show, but a relationship that has added value and has a uh, continuity that goes beyond a particular performance. Okay. Excellent,
2: Excellent. That's great, thank you so much. And what are some uh, other sessions you're excited to attend today?
1: Well, I, I missed one on funding, but there's another one, there's a marketing one that's going on. There's another one about diversity um, as well, and then there's some performances. I saw one installation in one room, and at the end of the night, there's a group called Brotherhood that's going to be closing out that day. I'm looking forward to that.
2: Great. Thank you
3: so much. Thank you. Uh, my name is Julia DeShenza. Um, I'm here partially on behalf of myself as a dance maker and also with Irma Losey's Diversity of Dance, a dance education nonprofit. Um, the ad- session I just attended was a kind of review of the awesome points on the CUNY dance initiative, and then also a social media presentation by Jamie Benson, who does their social media marketing, and also is a dance maker in his own right. Um, I was really excited to hear about what's becoming a robust new initiative to bring dance to new audiences. Um, That's something that's very important right now, I think, as dance audiences are shrinking in New York um, and probably throughout the country. Um, And I also took a lot of awesome social media tips away from Jamie's presentation that I'm going to go home
0: and practice and work on a lot. I really found Jamie Benson's presentation to be obviously very funny, um, but I pulled away a lot of tips and I think for me one of the most important tip was to not make it about myself but really yeah. make it about the community that you're engaging Absolutely. and that way you're empowering the community um, what might have been a takeaway that you found the most helpful from Jamie Benson's presentation
3: I think it
0: was It was definitely
3: that it was nice to be encouraged that it doesn't take a lot of time to, to use social media accurately or effectively um, but I I think to struggle with feeling very narcissistic when I post, not even for myself, but for our organization. Um, I don't, I don't always want to see on social media people or organizations saying "Help us, help us, help us." Constant call to action, um, and I think that it's exciting to see that engaging with. Um, Groups of similar interests, while maybe not directly aligned with dance, is going to be a great way to bolster support for your organization and grow your network. And that's setting me off on, a, I think, an exciting new journey to see what other organizations, other initiatives, who are championing the same causes that my dance organization is um, in different ways and to see how we can
2: connect about that. Great. Thank you so much.
4: Well, I'm Dr. Gene Marlowe, and I actually I teach journalism at Baruch College here in New York City, but I'm also a composer and arranger, and my primary reason for being here today is to find a dance company to collaborate with uh, Musical.ly. Oh. Now, this is actually my third symposium. I was here last year. I think I skipped the, the year before, blah, that, and, uh, so, I've been, so I'm familiar with this, uh, this environment.
2: Great. And what is the session that you've attended so far today and enjoyed?
4: Uh, the one that CUNY gave on uh, its dance initiative and the presentation by the, uh, the young man uh, who does the social media. Jamie just,
5: Benson. You were there.
4: You were there uh, mm-hmm. was just excellent. And uh, he did it with a great deal of energy and expertise. He knew what to choose to make a presentation in a short period of time. It was yes. great.
0: great. Mm-hmm.
4: I'd like to hire him
0: yeah we all (laughs) we all need to hire him Um, what were some of the most interesting points that you found from Jamie's presentation
4: that it's them oriented not you oriented yes uh, that's extremely important you have to provide value to I mean this is basically marketing 101 right you have to provide value whether it's a a product or a service you have to provide value to a potential customer or to your customers it's about value, and, and have, getting artists, never mind dancers, to define that uh, is, a, is a real challenge. Uh, most artists of every stripe uh, don't want to deal with those kinds of uh, issues. They just want to deal with their art, art yes. whatever it is. Um, I do a presentation on, um, do you know what your net worth is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm beginning, uh, you know, um, 90% of the folks have mind artists in the world don't know what their net worth is, but the, the finding what your net worth is, is a marvelous way of, uh, of finding out your, what your financial position is, making long-term decisions, short-term decisions, dealing with credit cards, uh, savings, retirement, all of those kinds of things. And most artists just don't, most people don't want to deal with that, they just want to, you know, when's the next paycheck and what bill do I have to pay next month? and you know, that's a very dangerous way to live.
6: Yeah,
2: thank you very much. That's very interesting to hear.
4: I'm trying to think of the name of the book. It was about what's happening to the, w- of the world of arts. At the bottom is journalism. Yeah. And towards the bottom is journalism. And as an towards, art form. A, As that's an art form in terms of employment, money, and so on. And uh, at, towards the top are architects and dancers and choreographers.
5: Hi. My mother called me Jamie. And, um, the name that I was given last name was Benson, so I'm Jamie Benson, and trivia, my middle name is Yippa.
2: That's how oh. it's pronounced.
5: Yes, I know. I put it on social media and it confuses a oh. um, plethora of people. No, it's Yippa. It's Danish. And oh. um, no, I lied. It's Swedish. There's a pretend I'm I being slapped be in the face bad. by my ancestors. <laughs>
6: um,
5: actually, I guess it's Danish and Swedish. It's in both. There's a it's pop singer it. named Yippa Benson.
6: Oh so over there
5: okay. anyway, now you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what you did today at the symposium
5: uh hi, so we did like a brutal, quick and dirty social media training about mm-hmm. twenty twenty minutes twenty five minutes long. We briefly um, obliterated some psychological walls that most people have when it comes <laughs> to approaching social media, especially artists, because mm-hmm. we all have little you know it's such an uh ubiquitous idea, social media so Um, There's also a lot of negative connotations that are associated with it. So first, we kind of bat those out of the way, Mm -hmm. um, which I find is really important because everyone has a lot of preconceived notions about social because people use it for such dumb reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. And we all get nods. Everyone nods. Yeah, and we all do. And so part of that was also acknowledging for people, hey, this is proven to turn people off, so let's be conscious Mm -hmm. of it. Um, And then we just mainly broke down a lot of um, common mistakes that are made uh, in social that obliterate your social reach Mm -hmm. and so we sort of went through all of those and how to fix them and then of course with me there's always some larger thematic call to action like Mm -hmm. how just messaging in general how do you do copywriting period you know it wasn't just the nuts and bolts of social because it taps into a lot of marketing issues that people and especially artists have Um, certainly about making sure that you're showing the value of what you're providing really clearly to yeah. your audience. Most people like to just talk about them and they think social is about them and their dinners or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when really it's all about the audience and it's mm-hmm. all about sharing and being generous about plugging and interacting with other entities that are sort of like-minded.
0: And I have to say that was the biggest thing that I pulled from your presentation. Okay. And in interviewing attendees, that seemed to be the biggest thing they pulled from it too. Right. I think there was just a big click when you were presenting that that oh that sort of changes everything it's It's a little mind-blowing
5: yeah in Mm, fact people are doing the reverse of what they should be doing i tried to show that with my charts and pie graphs and and um Mm -hmm. where yeah it's eight eight, for every 10 posts you do eight posts should be about others helping others that are in your general community or that have shared interests and then plugging yourself and this is an old adage that people know like Um, When you do things for others, it does come back to you. It sounds corny, but there's a reason. It's a cliche. It's absolutely true. Right. And so it's about actually manifesting that in like your day to day on social and how how you do that. And so I tried to give some math about, you know, you do this many noble posts and then you do the thing on your own. And with just those few rules that I pointed out, and I actually am afraid to call them rules, but like guidelines. Yeah. If you just followed those guidelines I gave you in like 25 minutes, your engagement will instantaneously go up. So I'm hoping people are aware I made it clear the value of that and that that they should try doing that.
0: Um, But I felt you did make that very clear. And with social media engagement, a lot of it seems intuitive, but I really felt like... If Jamie Benson had not presented it in this way, I would have been making all of these mistakes all along. And
2: we have. I think that's what it's we true. realized, too. I was sitting there like, oh, no, I know he's seen all of my pas de posts and I've done them all wrong, but he still liked them anyway, because that's the noble thing. I get it. Right, right. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it was, we even heard from some people afterwards. They were all saying the it's not about me thing that stood out. And... Um, similarly pointing out that some of it was even the kind of stuff where you're like, oh, I should have known. Like, yeah, that makes so much sense intuitively, but I needed to be told. And, um, a huge one that stood out for me on that level was, uh, not to lead with your feelings. And I do that all the time. All of our posts about our episodes are like, we're so excited about our new episode, which we are. So it's easy to say that, but why do they care? You know? Maybe maybe a better lead for like our latest one, Benny Royce, who's a, our first Broadway dancer. Oh, uh, I know, I listened to Broadway it. He's a CDI did. resident. Yeah, yeah, he is, and he got mentioned in that session. Yeah, um, we said something about ex- being excited to present our first Broadway dancer. We could have said, "Who out there is interested in theater?" You know, we have a new episode for you that gives you a t- an inside take on Broadway. Or just the lead was so that was so interesting to me.
5: It's about learning more about your audience and then catering to their needs. Um, and mm-hmm. you can be just as excited. It, the excitement you have is real and that's wonderful and you can mm-hmm. actually put that to use. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just about changing the narrative of like how you're presenting it. Yep. Um, and so we tried to go over a lot of sort of copywriting and messaging mm-hmm. takeaways. And then what else did we do? We did more than that. We looked at the anatomy of a good post. And we yes. talked about the differences between Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Because yes. although all of the major guidelines that I uh, bulleted... Throughout the presentation, I almost said performance, although I guess both are apt. Um,
6: yes. <laughs> throughout the whole thing,
5: um, they are all true on those three platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I, we pointed out the differences in how the functionality of each one. Yeah. Um, and that's really important information to have because they are as shared as they are in terms of how they work. There are little tiny isms about each one that you need to know in order to do the same thing. If right. that makes sense.
0: Right, that makes sense. sense.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, I didn't realize people didn't know about not putting the at the mention at the top of the Twitter. Oh, no. When I first did this, I did this training. It was a two-hour training for CDI, and it was for their residents and school um, partners. And I remember just, it was so hard to fit what I thought was basic information into even a two-hour segment. And I was worried, like, oh, people are already going to know this. And then I presented it, and it was, like, just hair flying. Yeah. (laughs) hair flying back because people just have no idea and, but where do you learn that really right, like yeah. I may, I'm the only one that I know that follows you know um, all the social thought authority you know yeah. entities and like reads about this stuff so maybe people just aren't aware of that and I'm noticing people are doing for instance like putting a period in front of an at tag and uh, I assume everybody's noticing that and kind of wondering oh that's weird Googling why or right that. yeah, yeah, yeah but no right. no and so um I really feel, I'm just, I'm really delighted with how it turned out because I saw a lot of like smiles and like nods of acknowledgement Mm -hmm. and laughing and I feel like people get bogged down by social media because especially it's your business Mm -hmm. and there's this extra thing you have to do in order to make it work when just producing the work itself is such a heavy load and uh, there's so many platforms and I'm acknowledging that it's overwhelming, but if we... Can step aside and actually realize that it's fun. Like yeah.
6: the more fun
5: that you're having online, the better your engagement is. You know, Absolutely. and if you just mix oh, yeah. in a little strategy, um, a it does. It's harder, I think, to be overwhelmed if you know that there are these just certain rules. Like I tried to explain yeah. what like a an hour in the life of Jamie posting for social media for CUNY Dance Initiative is, yeah. and I hopefully made it clear. Like I do these three things, and I'm in and I'm out. You yeah. know, and I have fun with it and. That, so I'm hopefully yeah. that came across.
0: It really did. You communicated that it doesn't have to take up a lot of your time. You can no. even do this in line at a Starbucks. You communicated that very well. And it actually really made me think about my social media practice way differently. I won't think about it as like, oh, God, well, I'm going to do that later and then never actually get to it. Right. So that was good. And along
2: those lines, I mean, I will say the one thing, because you asked for feedback,
6: yeah.
0: that I came out feeling
2: ambivalent about was, was this time commitment thing because... You did You did. undeniably do a great job of pointing out that, you know, first of all, I think telling people, uh, this wasn't the main statement, but the subtext is like, it's okay to stand in line and pull out your phone. Because I think some of us are like, I don't want to be the one who's sitting there on my phone. Well, guess what? The reason we have phones is we're so fucking busy. Yeah. We need a way to like maximize our time. When yeah. We're standing in line. What are you doing? Like post on social media. I love that. And uh, I think the way you laid out uh, getting into the account and, Following a, a set of steps yeah. um, was really helpful too, but still, like whenever I think of social media and especially start looking at the metrics, you showed us some of the metrics. Like I just feel so like it still is this big time commitment in some way. Learning about it, figuring out how to because I haven't even started engaging on that level of like looking really hard at metrics and listenership and stuff, and I think right. I should and I, I'm excited to, but oh my god, it's still overwhelming. There's still this like space between like some of these tactics are going to help me and use help me use social media better and smarter but then even knowing uh like the thing with putting the period before the at sign, as we just said um before we went live like that's those rules can change the algorithms can change the platforms can change how do we stay up on it like how does one
5: yeah i this is all a really good point and uh it is time consuming it's not that i'm saying it's not time consuming because it is an yeah. investment you're making in yourself and therefore it is legitimate mm-hmm. that investment in that time but what, what I, and we did this in the training with the CDI residents where mm-hmm. um, there were all these stopping points and actionable things that had to occur before I would move on. And one of them was, okay, but go online. It's about, pro- it's about dispelling a myth
6: mm-hmm. of,
5: okay, I need to set aside these four hours for my social media, which you're never going to do. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. And
5: when you do it, you maybe do it once, well, what, a year every six months? Because when you finally mm-hmm. are able to make it happen and you're dragging your feet the whole way there. The point is to dispel a myth of I need a lot of time, an inordinate right. amount of time to be effective. Yeah. And what I was trying to make the point of is if you actually sit there, we did this in the training where I count I set an alarm, I did it a lot, uh, five minute countdown, and we did five minutes, and you'd be surprised, and people noted it there, how much you can do in five minutes. In fact, there were a lot of people sitting there going, Oh my god, I have all this time. Like, I've retweeted, I've commented, you know, I even was able to you know, when you retweet and add a quote, like a little thing, yeah. I did that, and there's yeah. a lot that can be done in five minutes, and that mm-hmm. is sort of the lesson. Yes. It's not that it's going to take five minutes every day, right. but if you're conscious, and it is about this uh, developing this culture of sharing habit, yeah. so again, it's, and there are tons of thought okay, leaders no. that talk about habits. It's all, we're, we're all functioning on habits, bad versus mm-hmm. good, yes. and it's about yeah. taking that bad habit of avoiding it and just going, look, I have this five minutes, And the phone thing, I know we've talked about this stigma before in our first Mm -hmm. interview. Wow, this is our second. I love it. (laughs) Um, We're officially digital friends. Okay. um, So, but the beauty of that is that um, you can be effective in a short amount of time. And it's about sharing things as they happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not about doing it during dinner with your friends. It's about that time when you're just stuck, not doing anything. Um, And it's about, and I'm not saying to do it at every time you're in a line. I'm saying, and I have this too, like I take the J train home, Mm -hmm. and when I hit the Williamsburg Bridge, it's only then. It's Mm -hmm. not every time I take the train or I'm waiting for the train, Mm -hmm. and it's not even when I'm leaving home, it's when I'm going home. That's just, it's like a Pavlovian response. If I can just choose, it's about being deliberative and choosing Mm -hmm. what that's going to be. And I'm on that Mm -hmm. Williamsburg Bridge all the time. And so if I, without thinking about it, just pull out and do, you know, five to ten minutes, I've done something legitimate yeah. with with yeah. that, and I don't have to think about it when I get home and try to make time. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
6: that's
0: Absolutely. what I was kind of
5: going for. Yeah. And then the metrics doesn't have to be a big deal either, because um, I will. I'm. There's a lot you can go into there. Mm-hmm. It's a deep well. Yeah. But you only need to skim off the top and like mm-hmm. just nourish yourself. You know, that's that's momentarily. Yeah. Um All I really, I don't always look deeply at the analytics, although I look way more than most people, but still, Mm -hmm. um, what I'm saying is the main thing you do is, and maybe you should make a choice to maybe, you take turns every other week, you send each other um, your, what was the top post of the week? What was the top post of the week?
2: Yeah, that means we have to have multiple posts in a week too. Well, (laughs) right. No, which we should. Yeah, which you should. And I think we will now, like I think we actually... I think your session is really going to change people's behavior. Everybody said who we talked to, like, I'm going to start doing things different.
5: I'm really, yeah, I'm really hoping. And yeah. if you just, and every other week, right? So you're not even on the hook every week. Right. right. But if you can just even, it's sense. not a full report. I have to become um, actionable and have results because I'm being paid to do it. So I'm mm-hmm. sending like a really involved report. Yeah. But like, I've learned a lot just from going, okay, what was the most popular post of the week? And that's how I learned, you know, our audience are, you know, have a sort of feminist bent Mm -hmm. or there's certain things that they like that maybe aren't even dance related, as I said. Yeah. And that's so valuable. Yeah.
6: And because that
5: session we were doing was also about engaging non-traditional audiences.
6: Exactly. And if you're paying Mm -hmm.
5: attention to what they like alone, just that. Don't get crazy into the analytics yet. Yeah. But just that. Also on Twitter does this as well. On Twitter um, analytics, they tell you the top. Um, person that's following you of like a certain period of time. So you also can identify who are your more powerful people that are interested and engage with them kind of deliberately. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I love the idea and how it ties to the rest of the session. Right. By knowing what posts are doing the best, you are gathering information about your audience and what they need and what they want. And it's so important in the larger conversation of audience engagement, as we learned in this session, Mm -hmm. to meet the audience where they are. Absolutely. And if you don't know who they are, how can you meet them where they are to begin with?
5: It's called spraying and praying, which is like a huge no-no in, yeah. (laughs) Um, In marketing, there's the spray and pray thing that most people do. And they do this even when they buy advertising, which is a huge no-no as well. Mm. You want to actually get more specific. Yeah, more targeted. Yeah, and then Mm. the way that you write to them is specifically for that one target audience, you know? Um, So it's really important to follow even a little bit of the analytics. And if that's all you do, imagine a year of every week knowing what the most popular post was. You're going to find some trends.
2: I just had another thought while we were talking. Social me- with social media, especially the more you do it, the more you just pick up and understand. And I have found that Facebook's ad manager and uh, analytics portal is terrible, in okay. my opinion. I just think it's completely—it doesn't make any sense. Like, what couple you like times, about it? I've tried to boost posts, and then I can never find um, analytics that are tied to specifically like the one pot of money I put in for the one post. Or like somehow it just like never makes sense. But the thing is, I don't engage with the portal that much, and. There are a lot of people who feel like Facebook doesn't make sense because they never, like, older people, because they never use it. I'm like, oh, well, this is so intuitive. But the thing is, I've been using Facebook very actively since 2004. So I know every nook and cranny. And if I just start looking, I think the point is if I just start looking at, like, some of these analytics every day, just look, open my app, you're going to start figuring stuff out. I'm going to start figuring out the little, the little idiosyncrasies that will help me understand how to use that and be less confused about it. And right. I, you know, I think I've been thinking of this as, as like, I have to f- sit and research how to use Facebook analytics someday. No, I probably just have to use it for a minute a day and, and get there. So Yeah, new it'll
0: become a habit. Yeah.
5: <laughs> right, it's all about habits. And then, again, there's really only a couple things you need to focus on first. Mm-hmm. And that's always it, you know, you dip your toe in. Yeah. And then... By osmosis just by being in the you know that section of the site you'll develop an understanding it's yeah. it is relatively intuitive and it's robust, which yeah. is the exciting thing mm-hmm. like you can do a lot with Facebook advertising, which now we know is also Instagram advertising and then yeah. uh the twitter it's this it's this they're very similar in how they function, and then mm-hmm. it that ad information won't show up on your pr- professional page. it'll show up because uh, on your personal so in that drop down field the manage ads. That's where the analytics is. Mm. Um, and if it's you're only perfect. boosting a few posts on occasion, there's not going to be a lot to sort through. Yeah. And then what you also want to do is um, I could talk about this forever, apparently. What you could also do is those posts that are doing the best, those are the posts you want to boost. Don't try to boost the ones that aren't catching on because uh, they're already uh, showing that they're working. Good, so sense. you don't have to boost a ton of stuff if there's, you know, if you're aware. And Facebook
2: prompts you well. Facebook prompts you well for that. They'll say, look at this post that's performing and they'll put a big button. Do you want to boost it? Which is smart of
5: them. Right, and I actually (laughs) want to say something about, you talked about how it's overwhelming the algorithms because they're changing. What what they do though is that the algorithms, people get scared of them, but they're actually trying to work in your favor. Mm -hmm. So the more people are interacting with you, the more you're going to be seen, which does make sense. And then those ads are a great way to, if some people aren't interacting because they don't see you, Mm -hmm. they find you, and they're targeted, you know, like they make sense for your brand. And then if they interact with one of those posted things, then you start showing up in the feed. So it's a mm-hmm. great way to sort of jumpstart if you haven't been very interactive online. Right. Yeah, especially Facebook is the worst. Twitter is pretty good. All they really do is if you engage with a certain hashtag a lot or mm-hmm. a certain entity, they actually, it's changing again, but it's mm-hmm. changing for the better. Like you're getting rewarded for doing it right, basically, with mm-hmm. all these algorithms. Right. It's not against you necessarily.
2: So what you're saying is, if we remember the basic principles you've taught us, like yeah. we don't have to delve that deep into how Facebook works. Or-
5: no, because they're designed cool. to work. They reward you. They are designed yeah, to actually, reward you, and yeah. because everyone's following so many things, there's just too much static, yeah. and the feed just gets filled too quickly, and you just you can't keep up with it. But mm-hmm. if they know, hey, they keep coming back to this page and this page and this hashtag. They just put those on the top for you so you yeah. can find them.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so if you're doing it right, you can help uh, advance that. Facebook is a little severe, I'll admit, because it's only like 10 to 20% of your people see any post of yours at any given time. Yeah. Which that was qu- quite a blow, which is why yeah. Twitter, uh, advertising is now a necessity, even a little advertising. Mm. Um, Twitter's not as bad, yeah. though. Twitter does try to live like in a live moment-to-moment, chronology sort of way but what we've learned about twitter is that the engagement's always shorter than other platforms so that post only gets interacted with you know a shorter amount of time than other platforms because of that right so pros and cons but um Mm -hmm. if you're just kind of generally aware how they work um they'll keep changing more in that manner to reward people that you know are interacting and you know so you're not spamming people right. and so you're not giving so your feed's not full of just a bunch of crap that you don't give a crap about
0: yeah. right
5: um yeah
0: yeah so yeah i have to say again your presentation was really effective and everyone learned so much i feel like i can go out into the world and understand social media now i can go out to mm-hmm.
5: facebook yeah 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 <laughs> and uh i'm so glad to hear you say that um because the time challenge was really significant, and I wanted to see what oh, was possible. You
0: handled it so well with such grace and humor. I mean, you could probably present on anything. I'm, I'm
5: sure. <laughs> I mean, if I'm passionate about it, and mm-hmm. I love, I this it's all about again that call to action, like for revolution. Like yeah, social media has proven, I think people. Undercut this, but like social media, I was already proven. If you are passionate about something, you campaign about it. You can get traction if you're creative. You have fun with it, yeah. um, and even know those basic things I taught you. You can, you know, increase your reach, and you can do more. You can provide more value for the people that may or may be interested. Right. So I tried to bring that home
2: today. And yeah. related to that, and then we'll let you go whenever you need to. Um, this came into my mind while I was watching you present. And I think it's something that a lot of people are curious about, even though it's totally not about social media. Um, You're such a good presenter. You're so funny. You're so charismatic. And Mm -hmm. people comment on that when they give us feedback, too. They're like, oh, he was so great. Like, how do you prepare? What's your preparation? Because you gave, you gave, like, an opening monologue that didn't sound like it was read. But it was clearly, it sounded clearly prepared to me because it was very articulate. You used some really great words, like, very... Essay words. Words. words that made sense to everyone, right? And it was funny, like you were just you're so much fun to watch and, and to engage with. So how what's your preparation process? How do you prepare? How for do that? you speak? I am deeply
5: <laughs> in love with this question. Uh, no one's ever asked me this kind of thing before. And it's funny because
2: But everyone's wondering.
5: I am going there's a lot of times where I'm going to see people that know what they're talking about speak. Mm-hmm. And just because they know what they're talking about doesn't mean they know how to speak. Yeah. And I think, um, I find it frustrating because I see people tuning out and I know that there's value behind what some people are trying to say. Mm-hmm. And the way that, I mean, one, I, I, I approach everything with a sense of fun as we've discussed before yeah. mm-hmm. for just my own psychological reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I, I do write sort of a loose opening and closing, and it's not that hard to write because people ask me a lot about this kind of stuff And I've been doing it for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. Grant writing, marketing, choreographing, um, self-promoting, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so I find myself saying similar things a lot. Mm -hmm. And so after doing it for long enough, you're kind of aware of like what resonates with people. And because I go on a lot of tirades, (laughs) I, I, you know, I may not be conscious in the moment, like when I'm saying it. But, you know, there's things that resonate with me. Um, Also, I'm frustrated. I'm like... I have a lot of anger, which most people don't maybe are aware of because I express it with a a big grin, a goofy Mm -hmm. face, Mm -hmm. but I am angry about a lot of things and I'm frustrated because I see artists making the same mistakes over and over again and I empathize with them because I am also an artist and maybe when I first got started, I was doing some, you know, of the same dumb things Mm -hmm. and uh, so it frustrates me so much to see the same things over and over. Like, that's why the mistakes that I mentioned today, like, there are plenty I could mention, but like, I'm seeing... All of those every single day so I'm charged right. about the topic it's conscious in my mind because I see it every day
6: Right. so
5: organizing that in fact it what was hard to say. go what what am I not gonna say was more the problem right. with this because I recently had done a two-hour seminar on this mm-hmm. or workshop um, so it was more about what's what am I gonna cut out um, yeah. but I did write an opening and an ending I, I find myself preaching about social media, not even intentionally, like, I didn't plan to specialize in social media, yeah. but um, a lot of people constantly have sort of these negative associations about social media, mm-hmm. and that diminish the sort of power that it has, mm-hmm. and I just think that's a huge mistake, and then again, when I said my big call to action at the end for revolution, mm-hmm. and I'm referencing things like Black Lives Matter, Arab yes. Spring, and the, even the Ice Bucket Challenge yep. for ALS, like... People are diminishing, or they're not taking control of this huge resource we have. Social media is a yeah. massive, massive tool. You can do, you can start a revolution.
0: Absolutely.
5: And don't yeah. we all have that, our own sort of revolution that we want to yeah. get going? You know, some, an agenda yeah. that we're passionate about. Right. Yeah. Um, and social media is the cheapest way you're going to actually be able to do that. Um, Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm really passionate, I've given variations of that speech before, and I did not write a speech, Okay. but um, I had a sort of chronology and like talking points in my mind, and so I had the opening and closing for that. I also wanted to disarm people right away, because and tell them I know it's overwhelming, because I think the reaction I get as someone who like works in social media, people are just like, he's going to make me do a bunch of things that I won't be able to do, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to meet them there, you know, first.
2: I think you've picked out a couple key things, though, for people. So if they did want to give a great presentation, let's say uh, some preparation is involved. You yes, know, think of Think about how, what language you use, what language has been effective. Uh, maybe write it out. Like, for me, if I was going to give a presentation about something and I haven't been talking about it for 10 years, I'd probably write it out and read it over and over to myself until it felt natural, you know? Uh, and then the second thing I think that's coming through is if you're passionate about something, tap into that passion when you're planning to speak about it because that's what just brings that energy out. So that's
5: or those are my maybe only speak about things you're passionate about.
6: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you
5: understand the benefit, though, of like, whatever the thing, you, what what you mentioned that you maybe didn't yeah. want to talk about anymore. Or connect
0: to the larger purpose of it, which yeah. is what you're passionate yeah, about. Yeah, and I think
5: yeah. what I've seen in other seminars sometimes is people just say what they did to make them successful mm-hmm. without sort of addressing the larger thematic things that they're touching into. Yeah. And so I try to start with like, What's the bigger picture about this day-to-day thing that I'm doing? And try to start with these bigger concepts. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. again, dance, as I mentioned, like you know, it just gets a little niched out. Okay. I love and that we expression.
2: To, I wrote it down. We
5: need to mm-hmm. break that way open. Yeah. Um, and think about the ultimate results that we want and not be under this sort of scarcity idea. Yes.
2: By the way, I've been thinking about Shakedown throughout the day. We were in the creative... Creative New York said, yeah. were you in that one yeah. about the report? And it was all about you know arts funding, and they asked the panelists, are you optimistic or pessimistic? And people kept coming back to this idea of people have to experience dance to really have that interest in it, which I think is true but they all just talk about education in schools and children and I kind I of wanted to raise my hand it's and be like this one guy's doing this really cool thing where he's actually engaging adults right. you know like it, I just think it's really cool to think about
5: all yeah that, it's you know, funny that we were brought on to talk about non-traditional audiences through the guise of CDI because they do that and they do that through education and through mm-hmm. schools I wish that I could have also dove into the model with the shakedown I because I think that's that. a, a yeah. really viable way to do that but that's right. not what I was brought on to do to, Trying to teach you how to do social and oh, talk yeah. about <laughs> yeah,
2: it yeah but I mean that, that was one of my questions coming out I kind of felt like well it seems I think it's a little easier to engage students but what about everyone else I think it, it's different challenges different mm. sets of challenges Yeah, students you can connect it to their work you can connect it to learning the general people out there I don't know there have to be different strategies so
5: anyway I mean I think everybody wants to be seen on a larger platform like and i don't know if this is maybe just because this 15 minutes of fame idea Mm -hmm. that um people are always looking for some way to be spotlighted you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's normal because we're we're you know a lot of the times we feel like numbers in a system and and so you know i think people have that draw but it's about how do you get it out there and like i could use more marketing dollars for the shakedown i think the shakedown is a viable Mm -hmm. model to build on yeah um but then i'm also doing my own choreographic work and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of hard as a one-man band. And then I'm also working yeah. freelance for things like CDI. Yeah.
0: Right. So I've lot. had
5: trouble trying to get that. And it's had total mm-hmm. successes, you know, grant money and press. But, like, it's... And we learn this with social. It's a consistent presence, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
5: And it's hard to keep consistent with my sort of personal choreography, the shakedown, and all my freelance work. It is. Yeah. I'm not... doesn't mean I'm not up for the challenge. But, yeah, I... The shakedown model... I wanted, it was hard not to talk about it. And even in my presentation, I'm referring to myself a lot. Because Mm -hmm. really, I'm promoting the CDI residence. um, But I have a lot of personal experience with the guidelines that I'm going over, like the mistakes and the fixes. I have a lot of personal references of how that works, you know, in my own life. Mm -hmm. And The Shakedown is certainly one for non-traditional audiences. Which I think, and everyone's... Resonating, this is resonating everywhere, and all of the things everyone's talking about. Like, I just got out of the public spaces oh, mm, panel, um, yeah. And uh, that's, an, of course, another they're, they're talking about how to engage a bigger audience. Everyone in dance is talking about trying to how yeah. do we get, and they reference all the same problems we've all been talking about, like mm-hmm. diminishing audience, you know, yeah. diminishing touring companies, just
0: diminishing funding, yeah.
5: And <laughs> I think the shakedown is a way to fix that um, yeah. in, on a larger platform. And I'll still...
0: Again, you're meeting an audience where they are in a different way.
5: With their needs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. problems they didn't even realize they, you know, had. Which I love that idea of, like, solving problems that people don't even know they have. Yeah. With your copywriting. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of that with The Shakedown, definitely.
0: And that's capitalism in a nutshell.
5: <laughs> I mean, it is. Oh ah, god, that's true. <laughs>
2: it,
5: it's such a neoliberal, like... <laughs> model um, that we're functioning so like and it. the social media that I talk about and I'm aware of that and neoliberalism is you know designed around your product mm, and mm-hmm. um, the problem is it, in the USA we're all it makes us sort of uh, it heightens our competitiveness mm. like you have to know how to do your own graphic design you need to know how to write your own grants you need to know like yeah. and people are just working longer and longer hours or maybe day jobs and then yes. working all through the night on their personal pursuits like we all are doing. yeah. Um, and that's a real capitalist model where it's all about the self. It's not actually about the, the group dynamics, it's about each of us trying to advance on our own.
6: Right, And ourselves.
5: it does divide us a little bit. And yeah. the some of the social media tips I'm giving, I'm aware that we are also playing into that sort of yeah capitalist structure, um, but this is also the way that it works now. And there yeah. are a lot of beautiful things too about building your own brand and your own following. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you know, that... That's a totally apt thing to say, this whole capitalist, it's true, it's true. Yeah. We live in a capitalist society. Yeah,
0: we do, and you can't not exist in it.
5: Yeah.
6: (laughs)
0: Yeah. But that's interesting you say that, because I
2: felt like I came out of your session, actually, and I don't know why, because I can't remember what words you used that would have made this resonate more, but with the community thing, something about building community online, I don't know why it just somehow stuck when you said that, but I was like, oh, right, I don't know, like you can just engage with everyone in the dance community. Like, we don't need to go to each dance organization and be like, will you partner with us? Can we cross-promote? Like, just start engaging with them and treating mm-hmm. it like... I, you know what I think it was? I think it was, you said, um, create a Facebook group and share everything that somebody posts. Share. Yeah, and it's like, why not? Why wouldn't why we, are we... Why not? would yeah. we not all just see each other as, like, the struggling community, the dance community is struggling. They you are. know? And we're and working together, I mean... Yeah, somebody has something to promote, I'll promote it for them. Mm
6: -hmm.
5: Yeah, and what's funny is I was trying to spin that in a way where actually you're doing that for yourself, you know? And it's such a hard thing to explain to people sometimes because it's just not our natural inclination because of this sort of capitalist model that we function under. And uh, that's why I'm always trying to say, yeah, um, I say that a lot. Like, be generous with your sharing. Like, why do you have to think so hard about sharing someone's content? Anyone in the dance community, unless you're like super avant-garde and then this entity over here is like only teaching four-year-olds how to dance. Yeah, you don't maybe want to share each other's stuff. But what I've learned through the shakedown is that if you like dance, you have a general interest in several different types of dance, whether you Mm -hmm. know it or not. We always get engagement on, um, because I I post modern stuff, hip-hop, the whole thing, tap, um, and they're always really delighted by any of it, you know, and it Mm -hmm. is all relevant. There is, we talk, we say it all the time, but I don't feel like we show it. Dance is universal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We all are saying this in all these types of seminars. We're all like, yeah, dance is universal. Everybody dancing, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? And yeah, it doesn't seem like we actualize that when we actually, you know, do something like social media or yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Like, I don't have to think twice about sharing one of your posts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though I do maybe comedic, you know, quirky dance, like yeah. you share something about a classical ballerina and you're having an interesting conversation why is that irrelevant? That's completely relevant. Yeah, and it also yeah. adds texture to what you're presenting. And then A, your audience is more informed about the dance scene and they just have more information. Um, and so they may discover new things they like. And it just, it's not expected. You know, you want to keep them guessing a little bit. If they mm-hmm. kind of feel like they get it, if you say the same thing about, you know, every poster, every person um, that you work with or whatever... I'm so excited. Da, 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 you know what I mean? Like, if it's just over, <laughs> it's people yeah. are like, don't even finish reading because they're like, oh, it's just another one of those posts. Yeah. But then, if you disrupt, the word disruptful um, is used a lot in marketing. Yeah. You do want to kind of, you have to disrupt them because they're skimming. The newsfeed's going, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in yeah. it for me? And mm. I'm so excited, for instance, there's nothing in it for you. No. You're okay, great. I'm glad not you're sure. excited. And sure. then, right. It. Oh, my mom is all over yeah. it.
6: <laughs> it's <laughs> tough.
5: <laughs> No, you want, yeah. And so it's hard to actually get them to stop and look at something. But if you speak directly to them right off the bat, Mm -hmm. then they go, oh, yeah, and then they'll finish it. Because it's not like we're writing novels. They're they're little tiny blurbs, you know.